0: Proclaim to you the word of God this afternoon as we confess that in Lord's Day 36 of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 36. I'm sorry, 35, Lord's Day 35. And there we confess from the word of God concerning the second commandment, Lord's Day 35. What does God require in the second commandment? We are not to make an image of God in any way, nor to worship him in any other manner than he has commanded in his word. May we then not make any image at all. God cannot and may not be visibly portrayed in any way. Creatures may be portrayed, but God forbids us to make or have any images of them in order to worship them or to serve God through them. But may images not be tolerated in the church as books for the laity? No for we should not be wiser than God. He wants his people to be taught, not by means of dumb images, but by the living preaching of his word." So far our confession. Beloved in the Lord, brothers and sisters, including boys and girls, we live in a world of digital technology, visible, visual technology, world of television, computer, tablets, smartphone, Instagram, Facebook, Netflix, Skype, so on and so forth. We can be in visual contact with others wherever, at any time, everywhere. We can watch movies, we can watch clips, wherever and be entertained whenever we want, and, and that makes it also a very fast-paced world, visual world. In other words, something like YouTube. We, we like to see life in short, fast, visual clips. And all of that technology has an effect on us, whether we realize it or not, because we want to see things now. Seeing things has become important. And this afternoon, we deal with Lord's Day 35 about the second commandment, the commandment in which God emphasizes he has revealed himself audibly, but not visibly. He doesn't show us his full glory visibly, but audibly. He said that already when he gave the Ten Commandments to his people. We read something of what Moses reminded the people of in Deuteronomy 4. They heard his voice, but they did not see a form. And you have to realize that God gave those commandments in a very visual world at that time, too. People wanted to have their gods with them they wanted to see them they wanted to have them visible and they had many gods they looked around and they made gods out of things that they saw and congregation we we the lord god commanded his people not to make any images of him at all at that time No images of any creatures representing him then. No symbols representing him either, by means of which you could carry God with you. You could even try to get God to do what you wanted. No, God wanted his people to be different. Didn't want them to be part of that whole pagan world of images in the Old Testament by means of which people worshipped their gods. And the thing is, he wanted, it to be, he wanted it to be clear that he is not a God you can take with you. He's not a God who you can control. He's not a, a God made in man's image, out of man's imagination. You see the, the connection between those two words, imagination and image. No, God wants to be worshiped as he is and He wants to renew man in His image. And so, He wants us to listen to His Word. He wants us to live according to His will in that Word. And when we listen to that Word, we come to know Him, we come to know Jesus Christ, His Son, the Savior, who is the image of the eternal God, And when we know him in Christ, we become reformed and renewed after his image. And we become images of God. But he doesn't want us to make images of him. So, the second commandment means no carved, no man-made, man-imagined images of God. And that wasn't only a commandment for the Old Testament times either. Because we read from Romans 1. And that's uh, about 1,500 years later. And it says in Romans 1, where Paul writes that God's wrath is coming from heaven against all who become fools by changing the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like a corruptible creature. And who so worship the creature rather than the creator. And verse, verses 26 and following of Romans 1 add that it's for that reason that people worship the creature rather than the creator that God gives them up to sinful passions. And then you read later on, he gives them up to sinful homosexual passions so that they desire uh, men desire men and women, women, and bring judgment upon themselves. The thing is, congregation, God wants us to know and he wants us to worship him according to his revelation of himself and his word. And he wants to do that, us to do that in a world in which the visual has so much influence. It had influence when he gave the commandment. It had influence when, when Paul wrote Romans 1 that visual still has uh, such a grip on people today, even more maybe. God wants us to know and to worship him according to his word. And with that in mind, I proclaimed the second commandment this afternoon with this theme, worship God according to his word. Two things, do so in this present world and do so with the future in mind. So worship God according to his world in the to his word in this present world. So, congregation, the main point of the second commandment is that we acknowledge God's, that God's glory and majesty go way far above and beyond what we can imagine. In in Psalm 50, the Lord God says to those who ignore him, you thought, I was like you, altogether like you, but I will rebuke you. In other words, don't let yourselves be led by your own imagination by making a mental image of God in your human mind. Leave that to the pagans. They make gods in their own image. They imagine their gods are are something like them maybe, or they look like animals or so, or planets like the sun, the stars, and so on. And then they end up worshiping the creature rather than the creator. They end up making their their gods in their own image. They make their gods the way they want them to be. Imagining and image making are the same thing for them. But God wants us to honor and worship Him as God above all, God of glory. But if we come up with an image of God in our minds, out of our own imagination, we're going to come up with a distorted image of him. An image of him that's never going to do justice to him. We maybe make him the man upstairs who's supposed to react to things the way we do, who's supposed to like what we like and who we like and dislike what, what and who we dislike. And then we're making God in our image, you realize. Or we imagine him as a frightening God, a God who has his eye on you to catch you in your sins so that he can punish you, rubs his hands and caught you. Or you get the idea that God doesn't really know or care what's going on here. After all, he doesn't seem to deal with yourself or with people as you think they should be dealt with in this life. So God must not be involved and concerned with what's going on here. And so the image of God you make in your mind and your heart is that he's not involved with what's going on and he doesn't care what people do. Or you make God to be a God who simply loves all the time, who is permissive and tolerant of almost everything, He's not going to mind if you don't follow His commandments. He just forgives. And you know where that leads? Congregation, you see then, when we imagine what God is like out of our own thoughts and experiences, we're always going to come up with a distorted image of who He is and how He acts. No, we, we have to let God Himself Tell us who he is, what he's like. Think of it this way, you see a person on the outside, you know, you see that person on the outside and you hear all kinds of things for, about that person from others and then you kind of form an image of that person in your mind. You figure it's that kind of a person. Uh, and then you later on you meet that person And you get to know that person. You communicate with that person. That person talks to you. You can ask questions and think about what he's saying or she's saying. And and then you realize you had the wrong image of that person in your mind. To get the right image of someone, you have to hear and experience him or her yourself. And that's something like what it is with the Lord. With the Lord God, we have to listen to him his revelation of himself see how he works and experience that in our own life too then in order to truly know him in other words listen to the word of god from his own heart from his own mouth and then we'll be cured of all our self-made images of god more and more and we'll know god as he really is he truly is so again, the Lord God doesn't reveal himself visibly, but audibly. The Israelites heard his voice, but saw no form at Mount Horeb. Even Moses and Elijah, they didn't see God, actually see God. But some of his glorious presence passed by. No one has ever seen God, the Apostle John writes at the beginning of his gospel. He is invisible and incomprehensible and unimaginable to our our own minds and to see his glory we sinners wouldn't survive seeing God visibly in his holiness and majesty we wouldn't survive so it's it's even for our good that he makes himself known to us only through his word we come to know him as he wants us to know him through the word the word he spoke and inspired his servants to write down, God communicates himself to us through his voice. We can truly meet God and know him. We, we can't truly meet God and know him unless we hold up our mental images of him to into, in the light of his word. We need to listen to the word, to the preaching of God's word in order to come up to a right concept of who he is in our minds. Martin Luther even stated in connection with this, we need to put our eyes in our ears. And then we'll be able to see God rightly. We'll see him with eyes of faith. And then, congregation, through hearing the word, God will point us to Jesus Christ. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And therefore Jesus could say too, No one has seen God but the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father. He has made him known. In the gospel of Jesus Christ, we see the awesome truth and justice and mercy of God, his image made manifest. So congregation, whoever listens to the gospel, and hears god's voice in it sees by faith how god who cannot be pictured or measured draws an image of himself not one of wood or stone but a living image in jesus christ who became man who died who rose again who sits in glory at the right hand of god the gospel, in the gospel about him God has given us an adequate image of Himself. He is, as it says in Hebrews 1, the image of the invisible God. So, as long as you're willing to submissively listen to God's Word, to the living preaching of God's Word, which means, by the way, Christ centered preaching of the Word, you'll get the right image of God in your mind and heart. So, we need to submit ourselves to the gospel. Otherwise, we're going to get the wrong picture of who God is. And we'll be misled. We'll mislead ourselves. Of course, grace is needed to get rid of the images of God, which we sometimes carve and contrive in our own minds and hearts. When we're being tested with difficulties, with sorrows in our lives, we often first think, you know, you disappoint me, God. I thought you were a different God. But now you're not treating me like I thought you would. But when we listen to the gospel, we realize again, we had the wrong image of him in mind. God works in all things for the good of those who love him. Then we see him again. That's actually behind his institution of the day of rest too, congregation, so we can focus our attention on him through listening to his word. We get the right picture of him through his word. The Lord God congregation wants our reverent attention on the day of rest. He wants us to take the time to truly listen to him, be still and listen and know that he is God. It's not easy for us to to be still and, and listen, to focus on God as he makes himself known to us in his word it's not not easy for us today is it in this present world technology causes us to have a a really short attention span and we're not inclined to meditate on things think them through anymore we want things to move along to the next thing if we aren't entertained enough by a certain program on television we can easily just turn on another show because our service providers include dozens and dozens of channels and possibilities. We just need to push the button on the remote. We can flip from one channel to another. Whatever suits our mood or our interest at the moment. Congregation, that whole technology does influence us in certain ways too when it comes to the second commandment, too. The effect how we how we worship and how we listen to the preaching of the Word of God. We can so easily come to think that Bible-centered, Christ-centered worship is boring. It's boring when the word is, is the center of the worship service. We can easily want more variety, more stimulation, new things. Visual things. It's so plain. But we confess in Lord's Day 35, we should not be wiser than God. Let's not think that we can be wiser than God. But he wants his people not to be taught by dumb images, but by the living preaching of his word. Christ-centered preaching. And the gospel of salvation from sin and the power of sin and death in Christ's congregation that should be exciting enough if you take it to heart. What kind of excitement are you looking for otherwise? See, to know God, we have to let ourselves be instructed by the gospel, not quickly just hear something about Him. And then going on to other things, but getting to know Him as He really is by attentively hearing His Word and wanting to know Him better all the time through that Word. Thirsting for knowledge about Him. And congregation, then the gospel will excite us. Then we don't need other entertainment. and we don't just come to worship then and listen to the gospel when we think we need it or when we feel like it or if the services charm us no, we want to attend church faithfully because it's through the living preaching of His word that I come to see God with eyes of faith more and more He takes form in me, in my heart, in my life and then our eyes will be in our ears, as Luther said, and we'll see God as He really is in Christ. And then through the working of the Holy Spirit, we'll be more and more formed into the image of God in Christ, too. Oh yes, as it says in Romans one, God lets us see something of His majesty and creation and His government of all things. It, that, that He does that renders people without excuse. But the second commandment tells us that God's glory as our creator and our savior rises far above everything that we can see in creation, no matter how beautiful and intricate and and wonderful it is, God's glory is much greater. It rises far above everything else. And if we want to see more and more of the extent of his glory and majesty, we need to be busy with the word especially when it's proclaimed in the worship services. Sure, we can, we can and we should study the Bible ourselves too, but it's in the worship services, under the preaching of the word with our brothers and sisters in Christ, that God really wants to bring before our eyes, the eyes of our hearts, his grace and his glory for all of us more and more. If you really want to see God, you need to be where the gospel is truly and fully proclaimed. And that's how it's put in, in the letter to the Romans, chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How can people see God then? If they, they, how can they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Paul continues... And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. No congregation, the biblical preaching of the church is prescribed by God so that His people get the right picture of Him in their minds, in their hearts, the image of who He is, and so that the distorted images of Him are corrected. And when you see him rightly, according to his word, in Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, then you really come to know him as he is. And you'll get heart, a heart that also wants to know him more all the time, a heart that seeks to love and serve the savior Jesus Christ more and more. Now, and also for the future, and that brings us to the second point of the sermon, worship God according to his word, also with the future in mind. The second commandment congregation is a long one because you, you have that second part, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You know, it's kinda, I find it kind of strange that the catechism doesn't mention anything about that last part at all. I think it deserves our attention. Whoever images God, whoever imagines who God is based on their own thoughts and feelings is like a wife who says to her husband, listen, I'm going to leave you for somebody else who attracts me more. You can imagine that, that a husband who, would, who loves his wife would be extremely jealous. The Lord God calls himself a jealous God in this commandment. Because he loves his people with perfect love, therefore he can't stand it when their hearts are no longer set on him. But another image of a God in their minds. A distorted image of him, maybe. He says, in fact, he's so upset about that, he will visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children. And then he isn't saying there that he's going to punish children for the sins of their parents. No, he warns here. He warns if one generation passes on a distorted image of God in Christ to the next generation, then the following generation will certainly be affected by that wrong image of God and the subsequent generation even more. Someone, for instance, who hears nothing about God but severity and harshness is going to want less to do with God, if not outwardly, then at least inwardly, less to do with God. And then the following generation will say that They they want even less to do with this God. They might only come to church once in a while. And then the following generation won't want want anything to do with that God at all. They won't come at all. Or if God is portrayed in the proclamation as only lenient and permissive, the next generation will become estranged from God as he really is. Because they'll figure, well, I can live this way and it won't be any problem. And then the following generation will be even more remote from God. God will give them over to their man made images of Him so they end up worshiping the creature rather than the Creator. Think of what happened in our own country here. Once upon a time, the beliefs and values of our nation here were markedly christian sadly congregation over time people lost god so that today committed church-going christians are in a distinct minority how did that happen you see maybe their parents and grandparents and great-grandparents worshipped him yet but step by step, the love was not there anymore. They had a different image of God. Step by step, they didn't have God in their hearts and lives anymore. And then they become godless and also live godlessly And if you ask today who God is for so many of those generations, they just shrug their shoulders. I don't know if there's a God or not. Maybe, maybe there's a God somewhere. But they don't want to think about him. Don't come to me with that stuff. Don't want to think about it. And Jesus Christ is just a name some of them use to emphasize their feelings when they're really upset. And the images so many people look up to and want to be like today are the rich and the famous and the unruly. Sports stars, movie stars, music stars, millionaires, their, their lives are followed in the media. Their lives are followed on, on, on reality shows and their opinions about all kinds of issues are lapped up by these people. Yes. And the thing is, when God disappears from the inner rooms of your life, then those empty rooms get filled with other stuff, with idols and pursuits that don't have any substance and cannot save. What a task office bearers, preachers, parents, and all the adults in the church today, this generation has congregation. It's so important not just for our children, but also our children's children and following generations, how we worship and listen to the word of God, how we respond to God in our day-to-day life. We have the calling and the responsibility to pass on the true image of God in Christ to following generations. And the method of coming to that true image of God Little Asher's parents here promised at the baptismal font to instruct and have Asher instructed in the doctrine of God's word to the utmost of their power. But it's not just their responsibility. It's the responsibility of this generation to the next generation to pass on that biblical image of God to the utmost of their power. It's our responsibility, God helping us of course, to do our best to ensure that the next generations know God, (coughs) worship him in love according to his word. So the choices we make every day affect following generations, congregation. So yes, there, there is a warning here There's a warning, but also the promise. There's a a wonderful promise of blessing, too. And in typical fashion for God, the blessing that he pronounces here is a lot greater than the warning, than the threat. He says he will show mercy to thousands who love him and keep his commandments. And as the NIV has it, that means thousands of generations to thousands of generations. And that that means that if we of this generation love God, walk in His ways according to His Word, impress that on our children, give example of that, also when we're in worship, then the blessings will flow to the following generation and the following one and the one after. For God's promises are eternal. We heard that. His promises to Asher are eternal promises. They stay. If Jesus Christ, who made God known to us, who revealed God's perfect mercy and justice for us on the cross, congregation, if He is what our life centers around today, as revealed in the gospel, that will be a blessing to many, many, many future generations too. So let's grow in the knowledge of God through his word. Let's make sure the true gospel is preached here and that we're here with our eyes in our ears to hear it. And let's learn to love and worship God as he truly makes himself known to us. And then little Asher's generation will surely be blessed too. And also the generations after him, amen.